Very good morning, church. Good morning also to those of us uh, worshipping online. The Lord has placed in my heart the passage from Exodus chapter 4, uh, verses 1 to 17. And as I began to read the passage and I meditated on it, I was quite amazed at how uh, God was using this passage to speak a very, very relevant word for us as a church as God calls us back to ministry at Amokyo Hub. So let me read the word of God first of all to all of us. Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 to 17. Moses answered, But what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. And so Moses threw it on the ground and became a snake and he ran for it. Then the Lord said to him, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out, took a hold of the snake and he turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had come as white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, If they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs, all listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it onto the dry ground, and the water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouth? Who gives, who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you and he'll be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God indeed. Now come let us pray. Father, we thank you for this glorious word. Indeed, your word is always glorious. And so, Father, we pray that indeed you will take this word and make it a word in season. That truly all of us, by the power of your Holy Spirit, will hear this rhema word. Importantly, help us not just to be hearers of the word, but to be doers. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Now, the context of this passage is this. In Exodus chapter 3, God had commissioned Moses to go out there, right, to be the deliverer for his people Israel. If you do not know the story, you can read it for yourself. Exodus chapter 3, the famous burning bush episode. And so God has already appeared to Moses. But now Moses is questioning if he's the one to go, right, to deliver the people. And so Moses' first question was this, what if they do not believe me or listen to me? and say that the Lord did not appear to you. Now that's a very common objection, right? That many people will raise whenever we say that I have heard from the Lord. Naturally, this is the first question. How do we know that you have truly heard from the Lord? And Moses' question here was very legitimate. As you can see later on from God's answer, he didn't score him in any way, but he simply answered him with some signs and miracles. And so this is a very legitimate question. How do we know we have truly heard from the Lord? As a church, then, how do we know that God is calling us to return to ministry at Amokyo Hub? 
So these are very legitimate and valid questions. I like actually to do one-to-one -one mentoring. Because of my role, I don't have the privilege to mentor so many people anymore. And definitely, I cannot mentor all of you. So this will be like my mass mentoring session, all right, <laughs> for everyone. And one of the key uh, common questions that people like to ask pastors and I journey people to help them grow is the area of how do we know that what we're hearing is indeed from God? It's really God's voice. How do we know that it's God's voice speaking to us? So here are very uh, quick, three quick principles or in witnesses to confirm God's voice. Number one, the witness of God's word. By this, I do not mean a very specific phrase or, you know, that is found in the Bible. For example, in our case, Amokyo Hap, these few letters will never ever be found in the Bible. No matter what version you use, you're not going to find Amokyo Hap. But what do we have as the witness of God's word? Is the principle such as witness, evangelism, mission, being on mission with God, right? So these are the principles that are found in the witness of God's word. And so first principle and very important is that God's voice, the inner promptings that we hear in our spirit will never ever contradict the word of God. So most important witness is, can we find the witness in the word of God? What God has called us to do. So for example, if God tells you to start a gambling den, you know it's not in the word according to the witness of God's word. But does it mean that God will not call you to step into a gambling den to reach the others? Maybe. That's something then we have to go on to the next two witnesses. The witnesses of God's spirit and witnesses or witness of God's church. The second one first, the witness of God's Holy Spirit. And this can only come about through prolonged times in God's presence. Learning to be dwelling in His presence and familiar what His presence feels like. You can hear His voice while reading the Word of God and stuff like that. So this is the second, the witness of God's spirit. As a corporate body, as a local church here at Amokyo, we have uh, third week, third, third Wednesdays is our corporate prayer and praise sessions. That's where we soak in God's presence and we learn to discern the voice of God through our brothers and sisters in Christ. So that's our corporate training. You want to learn to hear the voice of God? Join us third Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Carries Hall to learn to hear the voice of God together with brothers and sisters in Christ. But there is also no shortcut that you must do your own personal quiet time. Times of silence and solitude. To hear God's Spirit takes time and takes uh, effort to grow in it. So there is no shortcut, alright? There is no shortcut here. The witness of God's Spirit is to be cultivated over time. And making mistakes really is part of the learning as well. As you spend time with God, then you realize, oh, this is one I heard correctly, this one I didn't hear correctly. So you learn through the mistakes. Then the third witness is the witness of God's church, the faith community. The Holy Spirit is not just given to us as individuals, it's given to the whole church. And so if God has really spoken a word to us, we can find confirmation in brothers and sisters in Christ. That surely must be the way. It cannot be just making clear to us and doesn't speak to anyone else as well. So again here, there is no shortcut. And so in some sense, our leadership uh, decision-making process is correct. If something is of the Lord, the rest of the leadership will be able to discern and confirm that this is truly of God. There is a fourth witness, but I didn't include it in the slides, which is the witness of circumstance. And I deliberately didn't put it in the slides because this should only be an affirmation of the earlier three and shouldn't be the primary witness. Many of us, however, we do it the other way. Oh, this sign tells me, this open door says this must be God's will. <laughs> that actually should come as the fourth witness, as a confirmation and affirmation rather than it being the primary witness. So again, very quickly, the primary witness must be God's word. 
then the inner witness of the Holy Spirit, and this takes time to grow to hear the Holy Spirit's voice, then submit it to the rest of the church, brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Is this really from God? If it's of God, the rest will be able to confirm it, and then the circumstance will prove it to be so. So in our case, as a church, God first gave us the church theme of God calls somewhere in October. Somewhere in October 2021, this is the timeline. And the call was to focus on Abraham's journey of faith. Just take this journey of faith as Abraham did. And so this was our first call. The witness of God's word was Abraham's story to go out by faith, to obey simply by faith. Then second was the witness of the Holy Spirit. And so this was how it took place. Our lay leader, together the rest of the lay leaders, Thomas, they were praying and God led them to this desire to begin something at Amokyo Hub again, to restart something. Independently from them, the pastors, we had our own prayer and dialogue and we just felt that, hey, God is also calling us to start restart Amokyo Hub. So we didn't talk to each other. But then when eventually we spoke and talked to each other, we realized, hey, God had given to us the witness of the Holy Spirit independently, but it's the same message Let's do it. So pastors, lay leaders, affirm it. Then we come to the third witness, the witness of the church, the faith community. So we brought it to the LCC in January. So back again, our timeline, October, first God said to us, the witness of God's word, go, trust God, he will guide, we just obey. And then late December, around there, the lead leaders, the lay leaders and the pastors independently heard from God, the witness of the Holy Spirit. Then in January, the LCC, we discerned, prayed together. We said, yes, truly, this is God's call for us as a church. Everyone affirm it. And we pledged $350,000 a year for this ministry to restart at Amokyo Hub for the rental, just the rental cost of the cinema halls alone. Here, I want to take time and effort really to honor our church's leadership for their spirit of obedience, to honor the Lord, the bonus to take this step of faith despite knowing all the details. If you've ever been to any LCC, Methodist Church, you realize this is truly remarkable. Because normally in our decision-making process, there are always papers put up with proper proposals, finance, budget, everything is well written before we come to the leadership for, for approval. But in this case, we didn't have all the details, but yet everybody sensed the call of God to just go and trust God in this endeavor. The last time we had this miraculous uh, unity, unanimous unity, was the starting of the homeless shelter during the COVID period, the circuit breaker. Everyone simply agreed despite just a very simple piece of presentation of paper. And so we knew that God was calling us and so I want to honor the leadership for taking this daring step of faith, something that we have never done before. And I believe God also honored our faith in return. Do you know that our pledges has increased from 514 to 633? That's 20% increase. For the past few years, actually, our pledges have been going down. Uh, we've been encouraging, challenging people to give, right? But this time, God simply answered our prayers by giving us the head start, the promise that He has increased the pledges, that He will truly provide for all that we will need financially. And so thank you, everyone, for those of you who have pledged. Thank you that you are truly, your pledging is a it's a witness to all of us. Now, as the whole church, we agree that God is going to provide for all our needs. But if you haven't pledged yet, I want to invite you so into our ministry, so into this ministry. Even if you cannot go physically, at least give to bless the work of ministry. And the fourth witness then was the witness of circumstance. Remember, I told you, then Cathay contacted us. Hey, yes, we need to restart something there. 
So external confirmation that, yes, this is God's calling for us. So all these four witnesses is the journey that the leadership team took as well. And so this is our mass mentoring for all of you, witness of, uh, the God, of God's word, witness of the Holy Spirit, and witness of the church. That's how you will discern the voice of God for yourselves. Now back to our passage in Exodus chapter 4. I find the Lord's answers uh, to Moses' question actually very instructive. Moses had asked a very correct question. What if the people don't believe me? Now, God answers with three supernatural responses or miracles. First, God changes Moses' staff into a snake and then vice versa, turn it back. Then he changed his hand leprous and then he restores it. Right? Finally, he promises, he didn't actually do it, he promised that he would change the Nile waters into blood. All of them are miracles. Clearly, we know them. It's not possible humanly for all these things to happen. So God didn't answer Moses' questions with logical explanations and detailed uh, explanations. You see, God's work of deliverance is always supernatural. It's always supernatural in nature because He's a supernatural God. So however God answers, it's always supernatural. In the ancient world, snakes are a very common symbol of spiritual forces and powers. The Genesis account of Satan being portrayed as a snake is not without cause. It's really prevalent in the Old Testament ancient world. Many ancient cultures have snakes depicted, you know, God's depicted as snakes, right? So a snake is a picture for many people in many cultures of God's spiritual powers. And so when God tells Moses to turn that staff into a snake and then vice versa, turn it back into a staff, the whole meaning is to say that God is sovereign over all spiritual powers. Do you get that? The implied meaning is that God is sovereign over all spiritual powers. It's not about a literal snake. That is missing the point. God is saying He's sovereign over all spiritual powers. Also in the ancient worldview, gods are typically connected with countries. If you come from a certain geographical location, you worship that God. And so when God says, I'm going to deliver my people, I'm going to defeat these spiritual forces, He's going to say, I'm greater than Egypt, where you are coming out from, I'm going to be greater than Canaan, where you are going in. They have their gods there, but I am the greatest and most sovereign God. I, have, I will be able to overcome all these spiritual powers. That's the true meaning of this first miracle, that God is sovereign over all spiritual powers. Next, God tells Moses to put his hand inside his cloak. We know the story comes out, leprous and then vice versa. The point of this short episode is not to highlight that God is the one who sends us leprosy, who sends us you know, diseases, but to highlight the fact that God has the ability to heal, to cure all kinds of diseases. And so this highlights the absolute sovereignty of God over diseases, especially common diseases feared in the ancient world. Leprosy, we now know in our modern world, is not incurable. But for Old Testament time, it was definitely incurable. And so this miracle was to testify to Egypt as well as to Israel that God truly is the God, He has the solution to all human diseases. If only we will believe that God can cure every human condition and disease. Finally, God will demonstrate His sovereignty over nature by promising to turn water into blood. Jesus had this privilege to turn water into wine. Wow, sway, Moses really sway. He needed to turn water into blood. Ah, He's really got a tough job. 
But seriously, in the ancient world, weather, water, they are of utmost importance. And Egypt as a country is blessed with a river now. And so it doesn't really experience the kind of droughts that many other countries would experience. And so when God says, hey, look, if you don't believe me, I will turn your life source, where you get all your life from, this river, I will turn it into blood and it becomes undrinkable. And then your livelihood, your very life itself will be threatened. And so this miracle really is a warning that if God ever withdraws his grace from Egypt, that's the end for them. Now, I want to highlight importantly that this is the third sign. It didn't come as the first sign. God didn't start off with the warning. If you don't obey, I'm going to whip you. That is typically how we think of God. But God is not like that at all. His nature is first of all gracious and compassionate to show us He is the mighty deliverer. What's the first miracle again? That He's sovereign over spiritual powers. Then, second one, He's sovereign over all diseases. He is God our healer. He's God our deliverer. He's God our healer. Only if we fail to, re- to listen to Him, we are obstinate, we are stubborn, we refuse to obey, then God has no choice but to withdraw His hand of grace. That is how we should understand these three miracles. So God's primary nature is to be gracious and compassionate, and He's reluctant to redraw grace unless we remain obstinate. And that we saw in Pharaoh's life. Pharaoh was hardened in his heart, and for him, he had templates to go through because he hardened his heart. Back again to this passage, deities, diseases, and disasters. They really speak of the heavenly realm. The deities talk about the heavenly realms. Diseases in the human realm, and then the natural realm, disasters, turning water into blood. It is a natural disaster, right? And these are the three great realms of fear, especially for people in the ancient world. You scared God's above, you scared disease here, then you scared, you know, uh, natural disasters. And so God powerfully demonstrates look, I'm sovereign over all these. I have the power over all these. What are you afraid of? In our call back to Amokyo Hub, God has spoken that one of the things that he will do is to release healing streams in the ministry there. Before I forget, I want to say we're launching it, officially soft launch, 10 a.m. next Sunday, right? For every Sunday from then on, there will be healing ministry, 10 o'clock at Amokyo Hub, Kete Cinema Hall, level 4 of Amokyo Hub, hall number 5. So we're going to relaunch our ministry there. And God has revealed through our times of prayer that he will release streams of healing waters. So we'll have prayer for healing every Sunday at Amokyo Hub. And that is the way that God has revealed that he will display his glory in our midst. Our job is simply to exalt Jesus, keep Jesus at the center, keep turning our eyes to him. Thank you, worship team, again uh, for choosing this song. Turn our eyes to Jesus and let him do his work and he will get all the glory. For three months we prayed in the months of May, June, July. A group of us, I challenge the cell leaders, whoever can, go down there, we just pray. Sow the ground with prayer first. Prepare the ground with prayer. And then, so this is what God has revealed. He will reveal His glory in our midst through healing streams. Sometimes people ask me, you know, so what's there to do there? They for, we actually forget that the greatest thing we can do actually is prayer. We are so, how to say, operational as Singaporeans. We always want to do, 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 do something, right? I don't mind being an usher, I can help with whatever. But when we go there just to pray, people are, hey, what, what, what am I supposed to do? Pray. Prayer is the greatest work. So we have spent three months praying and we will continue to pray because unless 
We pray God will not move. So we will continue to pray and seek God's presence as we officially launch uh, from next Sunday. Back to this Bible passage. Despite seeing two wonderful miracles, the staff and then his hand, Moses raises an objection. Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. In other words, even though you appear to me already, I still cannot speak well. So your presence actually tapake, no good, doesn't help me, right? I'm slow of speech and tongue. So this God got a bit angry, but he's not fully angry yet. He replied, who gave human beings their mouths, who made them deaf and mute and so forth? I will help you and teach you what to say. It's possible to misunderstand this passage. And then we say, oh, God is the one who made everyone deaf, mute, blind. But that's not the main point of the narrative at all. Just as the earlier miracles was to highlight God's sovereignty, here again, God is highlighting His sovereign knowledge. If I can try to paraphrase this very familiar text in very Singaporean fashion, God will probably say something like that to Moses. Moses says, Oh God, uh, please send someone else. God will probably say something like, Hey, hello Moses, why are you telling me this? You think I don't know, is it? I made you lay. I made you. How can I don't know whether you can speak or not? But if I'm telling you to go, you just jolly well go. That's the whole point of this narrative. I made you, God. I made you. I know what you're capable and incapable of. But that's not the point. The point is I'm telling you to go. It has been famously said, God doesn't call the qualified, but he qualifies the call. God doesn't call the qualified, but he qualifies the cult. In other words, our weaknesses, our inadequacies, they matter actually very little from God's point of view. Because the God who is sovereign over deities, diseases, disasters is also sovereign over our deficiencies. You hear that? He's also sovereign over our deficiencies. I cannot speak well, I cannot do this well, I cannot, I cannot, I cannot. And God says, doesn't matter because I can. That's the whole point. Two weeks ago, I hosted our speaker, Reverend Dr. Isaac Lim, for lunch. He said something uh, in over lunch. In our areas of weakness, we do our best to steward the gifts that God has given to us, uh, our strengths. We steward these strengths well. But in the areas of our weakness, that's when God's supernatural power comes in. God's supernatural power comes in when we are weak. And then he said something which amazed me. He said that preaching wasn't a natural gift for him. Are you surprised? You hear his sermon two weeks ago. Wow, sounded very great to me. And then he said he's actually very shy and very introverted by nature. And as I listened to him, I realized actually preaching and communication aren't my natural gifts. Maybe you think that I speak quite well, right? right? For, from your point of view. Lah. But actually, the reality is I get stage fright. What comes out of my mouth isn't always coherent. The reason why Sundays are better really is because of the anointing, the power of God at work is scripted, but really it's the anointing of God. How do I know that I'm not a natural speaker? If you work with me in LCC, you are one of the staff, you will know all, like Alphonse's best. You know how many NGs I have to take for video production? It's totally not me. It's not my wife is there too. I'm not coherent. I don't speak well many times. But it is by the power of God that I'm speaking and I'm preaching. And that's a testimony of God's supernatural power at work. Never forget that. It's always God's supernatural power at work. When it comes to leadership, I don't see myself as a strong visionary leader. That's not my personality type. 
I don't wake up, you know, with dreams and visions that I want to drive the whole ministry and accomplish great things. That's not who I am. I'm at heart a very family person. I'm very happy to cook meals for my family. I enjoy cooking. I wish I can do more of that. But very often, because of God's call, I'm thrust into positions of leadership. I'm forced to lead by circumstance or by God's call. And leadership is tiring. The very fact that I've survived so far really is a testimony again of God's grace and power and work. And I'm very thankful to many of you who pray for the pastors, who pray for me. That really helps me in my ministry as well. And so when we come back to Amokyo Hub, I'm telling you this is a step of faith. I'm taking a step of faith full of fear and trembling. Full of fear and trembling because if God didn't call, I would never have initiated this move. I can give you a few reasons why this is foolish from many angles. From a purely financial point of view, it is a huge uh, amount, 350000 And now with COVID, the churches are pivoting online. We've got to ask ourselves, is it a strategic thing to still have an on-site presence? Foolish, right? From a logical human uh, financial point of view. Then from a responsibility point of view, I have so many things on my plate to juggle. And then the call team is there with me. All of us are already overstretched. Everyone in the call team there, we are already helping multiple ministries. All of us are overstretched. Human resource point of view, foolish. Financial point of view, foolish. Strategic point of view, also foolish. And then, the worst thing, perhaps the worst thing is this. God tells us, don't plan. You know how difficult that is for Methodists? Seriously? As Singaporeans, don't say Methodists, as Singaporeans, don't plan. Just welcome the presence of God. That is extremely difficult. Maybe you don't fully understand how difficult it is. So let me try to parallel it for our daily, with our daily life. All this while in your lives, right, we always go see doctor whenever we are sick. Correct? And by the grace of God, the medicine, the doctor, the treatments, all this has helped us. We've recovered. We praise God. But then one day you discover you have a new terrible illness. But instead of seeing the doctor as you have normally done, God gives you all the witnesses from God's word. He says, don't see doctor, I will be your healer. You know, wow, that's very difficult already. Then he tells you through the community of faith, people come up to you. Don't need to go and see doctor. This time now, trust God, he will heal you. Wow, witness of the Holy Spirit and others. Difficult. Then you bring it up to other people to pray. Can you pray whether I should see a doctor? And everyone comes back and tells you the same thing. Don't see the doctor this time around. What will you do? Will you freak out? Because all these years, you have been seeing the doctor. Great. All these years as a church, we've been running church with plans. Great. And now God says, don't plan. God says to us, don't see the doctor for this particular occasion. Not always, huh? This particular occasion. Wow. It's shocking. It's filled with fear and trembling. And that's how I feel really about this resumption of ministry at Amokyo Hub. But we obey. We obey in, even in our weakness. God has demonstrated in the Bible and many times in my own life that what He really needs from us is obedience. To obey is better than to sacrifice. To obey is better than to sacrifice. That's what the prophet Samuel said. He doesn't need all our gifts and talents. In fact, if we truly understand Scripture and the very heart of God, how God operates, is He desires for all of us to come with our weaknesses. For when we are weak, then we are strong. I prepared this script before Pastor Lee's sermon last week. And so when he preached last week on 2 Corinthians chapter 12, it's a confirmation again, the witness of God's Word. 
Second Corinthians chapter 12, but God said to Apostle Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardship, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. When we are weak, then we are strong to put on public display our weaknesses. And really, that's our journey, and that's what I'm going to offer to all of us, public weakness. I don't have a strategic roadmap for Amokyo Hub. I'm telling all of you. I don't have a strategic roadmap for Amokyo Hub, except one strategy, and that is to exalt Jesus. We're going to do things very differently. Just exalt the name of Jesus, bring people, and let them encounter Jesus. Everything else, we trust God and He will display His glory. In the months of prayer, the cell leaders went for prayer walk a few months ago. The times we spent three weeks, uh, three months praying every Sunday at Mokyo Hub. And God has revealed six groups of people He has His heart on. Mass captains, delivery riders, seniors, parents with young children, business owners, workers at the hub itself, migrant workers. Do I have a strategy to reach all six? I'm telling you, I currently do not have. Some people ask our cell leaders, oh, I want to do migrant worker, but if there's no program, I will not go. I'm willing to go, but if there's a program, then I'll go. <laughs> but I don't have. I'm telling you, I don't have, but I know what's on God's heart. He has revealed these people, and one day he will bring them in. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't have the program, but he will do it. But in this whole prayer process, I realize what's on God's heart. It's just people. It's people. People. That's heartbeat. People. 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 That's important. I may not know all the details, but in this journey, I know who God is. And that's the thing that many of us actually forget. Again, this is free mentoring uh, for everyone. We are so concerned with the outcome, we forget that actually the journey with God is so much more precious to God than anything else. Who we become in the process is so much more important to God than the outcomes we can ever do for God. So, in the times of prayer as well, I know very clearly our return to Amokyo Hub is not an end in itself, but really only a means to an end. And this is important for all of us to remember. We're not going there just for one worship service. No, that is too myopic. But God has a larger plan and purpose. The real call for all of us is to reach the Amokyo community, and this is only our first prophetic step to fulfill the vision that God has given to us as a church. Yes, God is eventually calling us, to pastor the city, as I've shared at the Together Conference, but that's some years down the road. But what God has revealed is that this is one step, one step, a means to an end. And eventually, even if He has to guide us out of Omokuha, so be it. It's okay. We walk by step, step by step with the Lord. In this process, I know what is God's desire, and it's rather uh, best encapsulated by this uh, rather dated Christian song, Hear Our Praises, a uh, very old Hugh song. May our homes be filled with dancing. May our streets be filled with joy. Air and justice bow to Jesus as the people turn to pray. That's the prophetic vision actually that God has for our community here at Amokyo Hub, for homes, for our streets, for our nation, and beyond our nations to the other nations around us. That's really on God's heart. Everything else actually we do is very often too myopic. God's heart is to transform communities. 
that in his presence, because of his presence, homes, remember our church team last year, home with a heart, the home is transformed because God's presence is there, filled with dancing. The, the streets filled with joy, no more gloominess that we encounter day in and out, right? Everything, every time we take the public transport, we see everybody's faces gloomy, <laughs> go to office, no joy. That's not the picture that God has an intention for our society. So I don't have, again, a strategic roadmap, but I have Jesus. I now know what's on God's heart. I offer simply my obedience. I offer my weakness, weakness, public display. But what I do have is Jesus, and I know that he goes with me. Someone once famously said this, when all you have is Christ, that's when you discover that Christ is all you need. When all you have is Jesus, that's when you discover that Jesus really is all you need. You know why we often don't realize this is true? Because we are planners, we are hoarders, we are so scared, we bring everything along. Oh, I must have my money, I have my insurance plan, I must have my programs. When we bring along all these things, where is Jesus? Push all the way at the back. Of course, you won't discover that Jesus is all you need. But when you bring along nothing else but Jesus... That's where you discover that Jesus will supply the finance, the insurance, everything that we lack, He will provide. He is really all we need. And that is all that I'm going in with Amokyo Hub with the team. Jesus, you will display your glory. Maybe some of you hear God's call to return to Amokyo Hub, but you think to yourself, I don't know what I can do. I don't know how I can help. I have so many weaknesses. If Pastor Anthony has stage fright, I'm worse, a hundred times worse. I can't even speak to the stranger next to me. And now Pastor Anthony says there will be healing ministry. Worse, I don't even know how to pray. <laughs> if that's you, you are in the best position. Because you are at your weakest, and that's when God will display His greatest glory. Because when you know that you cannot pray for healing for a sick, and God heals the person because of your obedience, you can be 100% sure that it is God who did it, and not you. Not because you have great prayer language, nothing. Simply because Jesus was all you had and all you offered, and Jesus will display His glory. And that's amazing. And your faith jumps by lips and bounds because you go in your weakness. And so I say again to all of us, if you heard God's call, assignment to go to Amokyo Hub, lay aside our questions, our doubts. Don't be like Moses. Lord, send someone else. No, just go first. Say yes. You don't know everything, that's fine. Let your obedience do the work and let God display His glory. Just offer to Him our five loaves, two fish and trust Him to multiply them to feed the fishes. Very quickly, I want to take a, another mentoring detour and address a very common question by many people. How do we know where should we serve? How do we know where we should serve? First, it's important that we know what God has called us to do. We serve my calling. Many of times, we just serve out of need. Nothing wrong with that. But that's not really the first way we should operate. We should operate by calling. What is God calling us to do? Not looking at our gifts and talents even, but simply what God has called us to do. And so if the Spirit has given to you a burden for a particular group of people, maybe seniors or children or a particular ministry, finance, IT, witness evangelism, whatever that burden is, that's the call. Then you obey. Later on, you figure out what are the details. First, understand the calling, what God has given you that burden for. Second, then we serve by anointing. 
we may have the same burden, but we have different anointing. Five people may be called to the same senior ministry, but each of them have different anointing and gifting. Maybe only one of them will be the one to speak and challenge and exhort with the word of God. Another two may have the anointing of prayer, so they go and pray for the seniors. Another one may have the gift of organization to organize the ability, the programs for the ministry. So each of us, same burden, different anointing. So we operate as a team, right? So that's anointing. If you know your anointing, that's very important. If not, discover it. And you can only discover it through trying. <laughs> if you don't try, you will not learn what you're gifted and anointed and called to do. So again, it's okay to fail, to try, to fail, and then you learn, discover, but don't give up. Don't say, God has given me nothing. I got no call, no anointing. Send someone else. That one definitely wrong. <laughs> Against the witness of God's word, right? But for those of us who are spiritually mature, we serve even through our weakness. It may not be our area of strength, but we serve because God has called us, God has anointed us, we simply obey. And so when it comes to my own ministry at Amokyo Hub, I also operate by these three, very same three principles. Why am I leading the charge back to Amokyo Hub? It's not because I want to. <laughs> it's because I have to. It's really because I have to. Because God has called, God has spoken, and I want to set for all of you the example of obedience. I want to thank all of you, especially here at the 10 a.m. service, that my presence is not really here many times in the past three months. Because some weeks, I've been at Amokyo Hub. I cannot be at two places at once, right? <laughs> so you may not see me, and those of you worshipping online, you may be thinking, how come the first pew always empty? Because I'm not here, I'm there praying. And I feel like, you know, the Jesus uh, parable, he says, how a shepherd will leave 99 sheep behind to go and look after that, look for that one lost sheep. And that's the tension I'm living in as a pastor for all of you, especially here at the 10 a.m. and the online worshipping congregation. My presence will not be here and will continue not to be here for a while. In the month of August, because we are starting it, I will be there three Sundays. Right? I will be here. So beg your patience, your kindness, your kind understanding. Yeah, I'm still trying to pray and go and look after the Lord, look for the lost sheep. Please recognize I'm not trying to abandon all of you. Huh? <laughs> I'm not abandoning the 99. But that's because I also believe the pastors, the PTMs, the lay people here, they are strong. This team here is strong. And so I go with the confidence. I do my pioneering work there because I'm confident that the team here is strong. So I go by calling. Second, by anointing. I'm there because I know I'm anointed with the spiritual gifts of pioneering or apostleship. And that is to start new things. Also, evangelism, faith, healing. So these are the gifts that God has given to me. I just want to be faithful to steward these things. So if I don't use these gifts, actually I'm failing all of you as the body of Christ because that's my anointing. I have to operate in my anointing. But yet at the same time, I'm serving out of weakness. In many ways, very weak because I don't have enough time. <laughs> I don't have a full strategic roadmap. And can I be very upfront? There is a very real possibility of failure. There is always this real possibility of failure, right? I urge, urge, urge for prayer the last three months, every week, less than 20 people. <laughs> Now I launch, wow, go later on, three months down, left two people. The possibility of failure is real. But I'm stepping out by faith in obedience and I ask that you join me in obedience if God has given to you that call. 
because God will supply all that we lack, whether it's in terms of spiritual gifts or co-laborers. More information will be distributed to you all through the WhatsApp broadcast channel. Right, so look out for that. If you're not in the WhatsApp broadcast yet, please subscribe. So again, I want to challenge all of us. If you have heard God's call to commit, to call you to Amokyo Hub, I ask that you commit yourselves there for at least a season until the end of the year, starting from next Sunday until the end of this year, December. Don't say to yourself, God, please send someone else. Moses did that, you know, the second time, verse 13, he said, God, please send someone else. And that's when God's anger really burned. And he said, what about your brother Aaron? I'm going to send him along with you, but you are still to go. I like that. God didn't let Moses off the hook. <laughs> you are still to go. I will send you all the help you need, but you are still to go. And so today, I'm also not going to let you off the hook so easily, <laughs> especially those worshipping online, waiting for America Hub to return. No more excuses. All right? We go because we are called. That's it. We go simply if you hear the call, the burden, you just go. The initiative at Amokyo Hub, we are going to call it Friends at Hub. As we have learned from the story of Jacob, a new name means a new identity. There are certain baggages uh, that come, certain baggage that comes with thing names such as worship service or prayer meeting. It's Christianese, right? For those who are non-Christians, they don't understand these terms. And so we're going to call it simple, friends, informal, easy for people to invite. That's the first reason we're calling it friends and hub, at least for now. Things along the way may change, we don't know. Second reason, Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 11, the story of how four men brought their paralytic friend to Jesus for healing. They opened up the roof, they lowered the man, and Jesus healed him and forgave his sins. And so that's the second reason we're calling this Invite your family, invite your friends, anyone who needs healing. Remember, God has spoken, He will do and release healing streams in our midst. Every Sunday, we'll pray for people who are sick. Right? So that's second reason we're calling friends and help to bring our friends to Jesus for healing and salvation. Third reason, John 15, 14. Jesus calls us His friends if we do what He commands. That if, uh, very important. We're only friends of Jesus if we obey Him. So, we want to be friends with Jesus as well, so we are going to obey Him. And the fourth reason, just as Moses had his Aaron, we need spiritual friends. The task is too big. We need spiritual friends who will encourage each other, come, let's go, let's do this together. Even Jesus understood this, He sent out His disciples two by two. We cannot do this as an individual. We need each other. We need kingdom partners. And here I want to encourage all of us and challenge all of us to follow the example of the Amokyo Church pioneers. You know, this church was started by people who already worship God and serve God in the mornings, in their Sunday mornings, but they came and started the 5pm service as additional labor, additional work, on top of what they are already doing to pioneer and start this church. And so we have a huge legacy a rich example to follow and emulate. I know many of us are stretched in some ways. Those who are not stretched, you have no excuses. Huh? For those of us stretched, yet if God calls, we serve because He has called. And we want to follow the example of our Omicu pioneers, truly by their work, here we are today. I've really spoken a lot this morning. I will bring this sermon to a close soon. I just want to say that many times we complicate a lot of things when really it's all about Jesus. 
even in the area of healing. There are so many schools of healing out there. I can tell you this as a past. So many methods. But really, it can just be simply boiled down to Jesus. Smith Wigglesworth shares a story of how six people went into the house of a sick man to pray for him. Now, the sick man was a leader in the Episcopal Church, and he laid in his bed utterly helpless. He couldn't get out at all. He couldn't get up at all. But he had read a little track about healing. He heard about people praying for the sick. He knows his Bible sufficiently. He knows phrases such as the prayer of faith by the righteous. He knows about the anointing oil that the elders will place and stuff. So he got people to come to pray for him according to the book of James, you know, for healing. But when the six men came, they did the anointing oil, everything, there was no manifestation of healing. And so this man was utterly crushed, disappointed. He wept bitterly. And the six men and themselves, they were totally despondent. They walked out of the room, so sad. But when they were outside, one of the six men said this, there's one thing we could have done. I wish we can just all go back and just try it. And so they did. They went back in and this brother said, let us whisper the name of Jesus. Let us whisper the name of Jesus. At first, when they whispered this worthy name, nothing seemed to happen. But as they continued to whisper, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Remember, all that we have is Jesus. right? If we offer Jesus, that's enough. The power of God began to fall. And as they saw that God was beginning to work, their faith increased, their joy increased, and they cheered the name of Jesus louder and louder and louder. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. At this, the sick man rose up from his bed and he dressed himself. Wow. And Smith Wigglesworth wrote this. The secret was simply this. The six men had taken their eyes off the the six men had taken their eyes off the sick man, and to look simply at the Savior, Jesus Christ alone. We complicate too many things when really it's all about Jesus. I know it's cliche, but do we actually live out this so-called cliche? When Jesus is all we have, He will show that He is all that we need. If only we truly believe the power of Jesus' name, not just for healing, but all of life. As we close our meditation on Exodus 4, we mustn't miss the fact that Moses' hands and his staff are extremely instrumental for him to perform his job as a shepherd. Without his staff, he cannot fend off, cannot look after, fend off enemies, ferocious animals, cannot look after his sheep. Without his hands, if he has leprosy, he'll be out of job, and then he has to cut off from the rest of his family and loved ones. Now, that's exactly what we've experienced with COVID, isn't it? The disease isolates us. We are cut off. We are quarantined. And then livelihoods are at stake. Maybe yours wasn't affected. But globally, it's definitely affected. Even if you have been spared from the disease by the grace of God so far, you will have surely felt the effects of inflation because the whole world is suffering from the impact of this disease. And so when God heals, it is not just for the benefit of one individual. It is for the sake of the community. First, your own family unit. When God heals, your family is begin, begins to heal, not just physically, but emotionally, relationally, it's supposed to bring healing. Then from the family unit, it broadens to your larger extended family unit. And then everyone with their family units, it begins to spread to the communities. The healing powers of God at work and then God gets the glory. That's exactly, I believe, what God is doing with Amokul Hub. We come, God touches us, we are healed. It's not for our sake. 
It's really for the sake of many other people that God has his eyes upon. I want to close with the same journey that God has brought us uh, through this whole pulpit series in Genesis. Like Abraham, we are called to go out by faith. I think we are doing that. We are going out by faith. Isaac was born to parents who were very, very old. Humanly illogical, 100-year-old Abraham, 90-year-old Sarah. This endeavor at Amokehab, logically ridiculous. And Isaac's name means laughing, right? Actually, it has a very bad tone to it, laughing stock. It's not even a good connotation of oh, joy, you know, it's a laughing stock. And what we're doing, to some extent, from a human angle, it's really a laughing stock. But we're going to do it anyway because this is the promise of God. And third, and then like Jacob, but it's important that we are stripped of everything. Remember, Jacob wrestled with God because God had to strip him of all the things that got him successful so far. And the Methodist church, our church has been successful so far with a lot of programs and planning. But time has come for us to be stripped of the good things even, but to learn to trust and hold on to Jesus alone for victory. And then finally, Joseph promoted up there so that he can bring a blessing to the whole nation. A fruitful vine for the salvation of entire communities. God is calling us. Will we obey? Come, let us pray.